Welcome to Time Keeps on Ticking, MS Warrior and Mom Life. Cindy Locke was diagnosed with recurring remitting multiple sclerosis in 2006. Listen in on her journey to make the most of her time with her daughter and son. News, interviews, events, and MS hacks from an MS ambassador. Now, let's get started. Here is your host, Cindy Locke. Hey, fellow warriors, it's Cindy Locke here. This is my first podcast, so I thought it would be best for me to introduce myself and tell the story of my diagnosis and what the benefit it would be for you to listen uh, to my podcast each week. First of all, it's only 20 minutes long, so it shouldn't be too difficult, I hope. This one is actually only 11 minutes long. I will share with you my contacts, my tips, my stories, listener stories, experiences I've had over the last 13 years with recurring remitting multiple sclerosis. Some of the subjects I'll be discussing will be parenting, with MS, dating with MS, divorce because of MS, diet, exercise, traveling, stem cell treatment, memory issues, disability, and a lot more. There will also be interviews with MS doctors, patients, kids of parents with MS, foundations, a psychiatrist specializing in MS, um, and celebrities with MS. Some interviews will be verbal, some will be video, so you have to look out for that. Um, There will also be tips for living with MS and some hacks in in the mix there. Um, Each week, I'll let you know what next week's episode is going to be about and most of the time I'll ask you to email your stories on the topic or your ideas etc. This will be a podcast that will be weekly for now and will be uploaded on Mondays. So let me get going. Let me start with the usual pleasantries. I'm a 40-ish year old mother of two beautiful children and three, yes, three dogs. Anyway, my children, one is 13, her name is Karina Hope, and our eight-year-old son, his name is Joshua. So I'll tell you how I started to think that something was going wrong with my body and knew I had to get tested for something. My symptoms started in August 2006 when we went to Germany for Karina's christening. My left leg from the calf down to my foot went numb. So I just kind of shook it off as possibly a pinched nerve. And I, I seem to read that a lot of people think that it's a pinched nerve when they have some sort of numbness in their in their limbs. It's interesting that we all come to that same, you know, conclusion. Well, maybe I just pinched a nerve. Uh, But anyway, I did not pinch a nerve. I thought it was that because my daughter was 10 pounds when she was born and she was very colicky. And I had to walk around in circles for four hours straight each day for three months because she would only not cry when we were moving. She was very, very heavy. So I assumed it was something, you know, to do with that. But uh, when we arrived back home after the trip, my right leg started to be numb as well. So yeah, that's not normal. Another week passed and then my face started to get numb and soon after my tongue. Uh, so I'm like, no, this is not good. There's something completely wrong. So I did a bit of research on the internet, which is really stupid in the time that I had to wait for the doctor appointment. And I knew MS was for sure the front runner because I was forgetting things, you know, along with being numb and so not able to find my words. And at the time I was a writer, very noticeable to me. And uh, forgetting was one of the MS symptoms I read about. I was thinking to myself that it was uh, mommy brain. You know, when you're pregnant, you you sort of have that brain fog. So I'm like, wait a minute now. She's like 10 months old now. This is not pregnancy uh, brain fog anymore. I'm just, something's wrong. So it was very noticeable. And I just, I remember after I was researching multiple sclerosis, I remember when I was younger, and and this is very, very clear to me. um, I don't remember a lot of things about my childhood, but I do clearly remember this. And it's very interesting. Um, When I was younger, I saw a Annette Funicello and what she went through with MS and 
I saw her in that chair and not being able to feed herself or take care of herself. And I thought to myself, that is horrible. That has to be the worst disease ever. Um, your ability to feed yourself, walk, talk. As I was growing up, I would reflect back to that picture in my mind of her when things went bad for me. And I would say, at least I'm not going through what she's going through. It could be worse. I mean, it's pretty ironic, isn't it? I just think that's, that's pretty crazy. So back then, when Annette Fonicello was diagnosed, there was no medications at all. And there were really no stories out there about MS and what it truly was. I only knew of Annette Fonicello and Richard Pryor. So of course, that's what you know, what you see all over the TV. So I went to get answers. And I, I went to my family doctor because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know a neurologist was the one that was supposed to do this thing because I didn't know, you know, what it was. I mean, how, how to deal with it. So my family doctor, actually, she was actually on vacation at the time. So I went to another doctor in her group. So anyway, he listened to my symptoms. And then he said, we need to send you for an MRI because that's, you know, it seems we need to see what's going on in your brain. And I'm like, oh, God. So I think I like have a tumor or something or I don't know what's happening. You know, do I have a tumor? Do I have MS? What's happening? I mean, am I already getting Alzheimer's? I didn't know what the heck to think. So he decided to send me uh, for an MRI. And that was brutal for me because, oh, Lord, I'm claustrophobic. And it wasn't easy for me. And I didn't know to ask them for some sort of a sedative to help me deal with the uneasiness and the claustrophobia. So I just sat there and really went through it. I mean, I was so panicked that I actually, you know, the very, very loud, 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 loud at the end. I know you guys know because you've all gone through it many times, I'm sure. But there's a very loud, 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 loud sound at the end where it's sort of like, you know, it's like this sort of like a, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, 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 I can't even describe the sound. It's just like a loud, loud, loud banging sound. I couldn't get a hold of the lady that was doing the MRI. And I kept saying, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And and I, th- she just wasn't answering me. And I was freaking out. And so I just, I start, then I started to panic. And I'm like, oh my God, did I move? And then I, if I move, I'm going to have to do this all over again. And I'm panicking more and more and more and starting to sweat. And I'm like, I kept trying to call them, trying to call them. And nobody would answer. Um, so <laughs> that was really brutal. So make sure if you haven't had your MRI yet, make sure you ask for some sort of sedative. Trust me, it works. Wonders. Anyway, so... <sighs> I go home after my terrible MRI experience and wait and wait and wait for a phone call. And a few days after I did the MRI, the doctor himself called and he said, I mean, it's not good when the doctor himself or herself calls you because you know something really is wrong. And then he says, it was Friday, by the way, I have to, I have to throw that in there. It was Friday. And he said, I need you to come in as soon as possible. And I need you to bring your husband with you for support, dot, dot, dot. Um, okay, that means something's really wrong. Something is really, really, really wrong. So I start to panic again. He transfers me to the scheduler and I could only make an appointment for the following Monday. So I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. He actually wants us to wait that long after telling me to bring my husband. Oh, I told my husband, Nick, and he said, let's go. We got we got in the car and went straight to the doctor. He's like, we're not waiting. No way. We can't wait all weekend. We can't wait to find out. No possible way. So we went straight there. So I'm waiting in, I'm in the waiting room, panic stricken until my name was called. And a nurse walked us to the doctor's office, not the actual place where you go and you get, you know, examined. And I was like, that's another bad sign. So he came in, sat down, told me he was sorry to tell me, but I have multiple sclerosis. So the first thing I thought was, well, at least it isn't a blood clot or tumor in the brain. It's only MS. That's what I thought at the time. Little did I know that our lives would change forever and the word only would prove to be ridiculous. 
ridiculous as so many things went through my mind, as I'm sure did yours when you got diagnosed. After living with this for a few years, I thought to myself, um, I think it would have been better if I had some sort of like tumor or something because it could be removed. MS can't be removed. So I was thinking to myself, this would be a better situation for me because within a few months, I went from being the life of the party and fun, loving wife, sister, daughter, mommy, boss, to being angry and just generally not nice to be around person. I was very sick and could barely use my hands. I still can't use my hands. It's 13 years later, by the way. I can use them, but it's, you know, it's hard. My husband, daughter, mom, and brothers were all I could think about, not myself. I couldn't imagine what their life was going to be with me. What kind of mummy could I be? What kind of wife could I be? You know, if I can't, if I, if I can't do anything. And at, the, at that time, I thought I'm going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. I know this is not going to be a good future for myself or my family. Um, and as they say, you know, MS is a family diagnosis, not, you know, just your own diagnosis. So, um... <sighs> So fast forward to 13 years later, long, long to me, years later, I'm feeling as okay as those of us, you know, with MS could feel. It took me about four years to decide to have another baby after Karina, because I thought, I can't take care of another baby. How am I going to do this? How, you know, is this, um, does this, you know, is this hereditary? Uh, am I just bringing a baby into this world to only make his future be MS? I mean, what should I do? I don't know. So yeah, it took four years. And now we have Joshua, which we love. He's such a joy. Um, and Karina Hope is the is the sweetest most helpful little girl she knows when i don't feel well and does her best to help me with things but you know it gets frustrating especially now that she's 13 so it was hard to explain ms to her but mostly because i still don't understand it myself because it's different every day even though my ms is leveled out for now i'm still different than i was before um, i'm still dizzy still weak uh, still grouchy grump sometimes and i still wonder each night when i go to bed something may not work in the morning i'm sure you guys all know what that feels like but i'm grateful to have a very supportive husband and family of course and know that it is isn't something I take for granted that I have good friends and family and it just I know it's hard but you can get through it with help and if you don't have help you have your MS community we all help each other we all support each other and you're not alone so I don't let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do you'll hear that a lot I'm sure if you're newly diagnosed just think about what you can still do you're gonna hear some things and you're, you're just gonna want to punch people in the face that's another topic we'll go through on my podcast so uh I guess I'll end there and please join me in the next episode as I interview the brilliant Dr. Adam Kaplan from Johns Hopkins University. He's an amazing psychiatrist and is on the board of medical advisors to the Montel Williams MS Foundation, Cody Unser First Step Foundation, Nancy Davis MS Foundation and Center Without Walls, and Johns Hopkins Multiple Sclerosis and Transverse Myelitis Centers Project Restore. He's also a medical advisor to Remedy Health Media, Anthronics Inc., and Rivon Systems. He has presented his work through published articles in premier scientific journals through talks and seminars at national and international conferences. He completed his undergraduate training at Yale University and his MD and PhD training at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, where he is the assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry, Division of Neuropsychiatry, and he's very vocal with depression and MS. So please join me for an incredible conversation with Dr. Kaplan. Thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time, take care of yourself and keep keeping on, warriors.